Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mortgage and Real Estate Podcast. My name is Chris Giannino. I'm here today with Pete. What's going on, Pedro? Good morning, my brother. Yes, uh, we are just uh, just uh, at Shaw Coffee on the hill uh, by the office. We were gonna we were gonna do this from the office today, but had to get out and experience the nice uh, you know thirty degree weather out there. But we're getting some sun today, so I'm good with that. Yeah, and the atmosphere at Shaw Coffee is always amazing. Love this place. Yeah, I walked in. You you were busy when I walked in. I yeah. I, guess you were, I got you were here when the doors today. opened. Nice. What time is that? 7 a.m. 7 a.m. So if you want to check out Shaw Coffee, check it out. 7 a.m. They got a roaster in the middle of the in the middle of the place, and they roast their coffee here. I haven't seen that before. It's about I have. It's about three feet from us, and it could get stirring at any moment. Yeah. So if it does get loud, then uh, that's what's happening. But um, it's a great place, um, right on the hill on Shaw, and uh, check it out. It's also if if for directional purposes, it's one block. Um, Good luck with this. It's one block north of uh, Pinnacle Home Loans. So it should be easy to find. Everyone knows where Pinnacle is. <laughs> That's exactly right. So uh, anyways, what's going on with you? Have you got any, uh, any Pinnacle Points to bring up today to get us started or what? Uh, pinnacle Point today, yeah. I, so I was here early uh, having a meeting. You know, I, I kind of uh, spread my time out from... Home loans, um, attorney work, refereeing soccer, and uh, hope to hit all three today, but uh, started out the day doing some legal work, meeting with some people. So my p- pinnacle point has to do with um, never underestimating anyone. Um, you know, you're going to encounter, it kind of goes with our last um, podcast about everyone you run into, try to make a difference with them, but... Um, Sometimes you're going to, it's it's human nature to encounter someone, draw a conclusion, and be incorrect in that conclusion. So Happened to all of us. Get to know someone, talk talk things through with them, um, no one, don't make anyone a stranger, yeah. and uh, you'll probably have a lot more friends in life. Yeah, I mean, everybody has a story, everybody's done some things you're interested in. A lot happens when you ask questions find out a lot of information it's it's funny um so this morning i prayed for wisdom because i have a lot of questions i need to ask this week so i i need help in making those questions appropriate making those questions um able to trigger the information i need and so i'm gonna i'm hoping that uh that prayer comes through can we help you here today or is this <laughs> i don't think this, this is what god had in mind but we're gonna definitely ask a few questions today. okay excellent <laughs> well um well yeah i mean on 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 that same page i mean one thing that was brought to my attention also this morning but it's one of those things where it fits in well with new year's as as, as well but just taking action you know if you're out there and you you have some um, something you've been trying to do or something you wanted to get, uh, something that's been on your mind for a while and you just wanted to get it done, the most important thing to do is to take action. It doesn't have to be a major step. It just has to be one step in that direction. And um, and then you start to build momentum when you do that three days in a row. But if you're listening to this and there's something on your mind, take action. Yeah. And, and everything's easy to learn these days. You could find it... Um, you could find anything by typing it in Google and, 
and just take the first step. So Yeah, and we're all capable of things that we think we're not necessarily capable of. And yes, you know, in our in our previous podcast to continue with our um, theme of transition, I will uh, we referred to proximity of, of people that um, you know, we want that make us better people. And so we 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 um we're looking today, I think today we have some we have a guest who takes action and, you know, um, so we thought the best way to, um, create proximity is to make that person come to us. Absolutely. Yeah. So Dustin Morgan, uh, he is, has inspired my pinnacle point today for taking action. Dustin, um, we, we worked with Dustin a few years ago and, um, and I was very impressed with Dustin and his mindset on what he was achieving in his in his personal and professional life. And and uh, I was very excited to have you on. So thanks for taking me up on it, Dustin. Welcome to the Mortgage and Real Estate Podcast by Pinnacle. Appreciate you taking some time out of your day and coming on and uh, sharing a little bit of insight with us. So uh, welcome to uh, the podcast. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure. Nice. So I, I, uh, what, give us a little bit of background, Dustin, on, uh, we talked a little bit just to get caught up when you got here, but you, um, you said you're from Mississippi. You've been in St. Louis for quite some time now. Can you give us just a, a quick, like, um, you know, 30 second breakdown on wh- where you're from and what you're doing, um, here in St. Louis, what you're doing, that's a loaded question we'll get into in a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, just kind of like where you're from and, and what your background is. Yeah, sure. So, uh, born and raised in Mississippi, um, moved to St. Louis about four years ago. Um, I've got some family up here and there, um, there was a girl up here, of course, <laughs> always is. And then, um, yeah, so I, I got my real estate journey started actually with you guys. Um, I bought a property and, and kind of the rest is history. So I've, I've been here, I've worked in cybersecurity most of my life, um, on and off. And, and like I said, real estate just piqued my interest and I really enjoy it. So that's awesome. Yeah, I know when we first met, uh, you were you were talking about, you know, you're getting your first couple Airbnb started, and then since then, um, your 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 entrepreneur journey has taken you in several different directions, all which which are very exciting and it's eye opening. What what I think you can you very um, very easily convey the. Um, mindset of take action, anything's possible, do a little bit of research, and you can get to the bottom of what you want to get to. So um, that was amazing. I think it was very inspiring just talking to you for a few minutes before the show. So we'll jump into the Airbnb to start, and then we can get into a couple other things. But how did that get started for you? Because I think a lot of time, a lot of different people listen to this show, people that are interested in real estate, just friends, family, but also... um, real estate professionals that may be working with um, a client right now that's looking to buy an Airbnb. And um, what, are some, what are some things that they should consider? Because um, they may not have done it in the past or don't have a ton of experience in it, but what are some things they should consider when they're looking for a property for short-term rentals? Sure. So um, there's a few softwares or systems that I would use. Um, there's one called Rabu. Uh, rabbu.com um, and then AirDNA, which is probably the best. So when I'm looking for, you, you can get on Google and find the best Airbnb locations. Um, it's pretty straightforward. But what what we're looking for specifically is 
what are the regulations? So regulations are going to be huge. Um, so, for instance, I'll just give you an example. Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, probably the most lax because all of the revenue is driven by visitors every year. So Pigeon Forge, specifically the Smokies, is has double the visitors of any other park. So that's right by uh, Dolly, yep. Dollywood, yep. Dollywood, yeah. Gatlinburg, Smoky Mountains, exactly. Tennessee. Yeah, Dolly Parton. She did it all. Yeah, she did, right? <laughs> she did. She Still built is. <laughs> Power woman. Yeah, well, she did amazing at the, uh, what did she just play at recently? Yeah. Was it uh, a football game? Yeah. She needed some help it was amazing. with stability, but she... Yeah, she she still looks good. Yeah. I, I like her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, that's amazing. So you, um, now this is a, so you're talking about regulation. So, I mean, before you, before you buy a place, obviously one of the most important things is make sure that you're not going to get pushed back to have an Airbnb day one. Absolutely. And you found that to be true in vacation destination, destination areas specifically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of them being, um, that area in Tennessee. And when you, picked it out was it a was it an existing home already or did you have it built so i'll just give you a, a quick backstory just so everyone takes out you guys mentioned take action i bought my first property by going to, to yard sales and flipping items on ebay so i had no none of my own money for the, my first purchase um, so i used literally weekend shopping and flipping on ebay to buy and youtube how to flip my first house so that's how i start so just do it um that's incredible. So, so you don't need a degree for that or anything. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. There may be. A, I'm sure there's a degree out in Yale or somewhere <laughs> or something like that. You know, Harvard got to be one of the big ones. <laughs> but so I used that when I when I sold that house. It's the only house I've ever sold. Um, I bought a house in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, sight unseen. Uh, it was six hundred twenty thousand dollars, which was a lot of money for me back then. Um, it was new construction, and. The point is I ran all the numbers and got all the data, and it matched up, so I went for it. And uh, that one purchase changed my life. That, that property now, and every one we build since, will, we build for the same cost, and they appraise for 1.2 to 1.3 million. <laughs> and they generate, so during COVID, it generated $190,000 the first year. Over time, it's dropped. It's probably around 140, but that's pretty, I think we're kind of leveled out. So COVID was a crazy year. And that's where a lot of people got in trouble for they underwrote deals thinking 190 was coming in mm. and, and it doesn't come in anymore. So you can you can get in trouble, but you just need to do the research. Mm. Now, are you are you marketing that on Airbnb and VRBO or yeah. so you yeah. can use all you can use the multiple listings? Absolutely. So there's there's plenty of softwares out there. I use IGMS um, and all it does is it basically it, it takes an API, which just links it. It just gives the data from Airbnb and Verbo. Um, so when someone books, it blocks the calendar for the other side so you don't get double booked, which is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. um, and then also in that, you can build your own website, but we use IGMS for direct booking. So you can you can make a lot, a lot of money, a lot more money, 20% more probably if you get direct bookings. Oh, okay. So and that's what you use for your your. Um, that's why you started your own website for the direct bookings. Yeah, as well. Make twenty yep. percent more. So what percentage goes do you get through that as opposed to the other Airbnb or VRBO? I've been so I've been slacking, um, probably ten percent. But there's a there's a huge opportunity out there just in a basic you know email. Just say hey, if you guys come back, uh, we'll give you ten percent discount. Still make more money. Don't have to deal with the transaction cost of Airbnb and Verbo. So. 
uh, that's on the list this year to push uh, just kind of. I mean, that, that's, an, that's an amazing insight yeah. that people aren't aware of. Right. Do you, you know, I mean, that, that's huge. Yeah. Is that, is that, um, now you said the upkeep, like, is it, was it, um, how do you, uh, you just, how do you set that website up? It's, uh, well, so IGMS is extremely simple. You just download it and it hooks in. I mean, there, there's some work, but there's, like you said, everything's on Google. I didn't know anything about this stuff and I hooked it up. Um, you just download the software. And like I said, there's quite a few that have that integration for direct booking and the API that connects to, you know, multiple systems, but, you know, to make sure it's not double booked. Absolutely. Cause that is a, that's a huge, that's a huge problem that I've actually run into when I was new. So you don't want to have that. That's great information. You know, the, tell us a little, since you've done some background, but tell us a, a little about the history of Airbnb and how that's changed um, the hospitality industry, you know, with respect, hotels are still being built, but when we go on trips, we're we're always looking for you know an Airbnb opportunity. So, how long has that been the trend? You know, I think I think it's been trending way before I started. Um, Airbnb has been around a long time. I couldn't even tell you when when they actually got kicked off. And Verbo's been around for a long time. Airbnb is just kind of, from a technological perspective, they are elite. Um, I think when you get into the hotel and Airbnb, people are always worried. You know, they ask, well, what about, why wouldn't I just stay at a hotel? I'm like, I will be the first to say, if it's just me and one other person, I'm likely staying in a hotel. It's a better option. Um, but when you're talking about a family or a get-together for Christmas, when you have a place that has an indoor pool and a hot tub and all the amenities you need, um, if you were to get a hotel that fits 16 people, you're, you're <laughs> never going to be able to outprice us and i don't see that happening it could happen soon i mean i imagine that they're on board with that but it's going to be a while mm-hmm. yeah price is a factor there you know convenience is a factor i think having a kitchen and yeah. washing machine are really attractive features of airbnbs um and just some you know having a driveway or uh, maybe a barbecue pit you know things like that yeah. that make have transformed vacations absolutely you know or, or getaways um like yeah. you said family gatherings too um it, it's the mindset of people the hotels are still a great option but absolutely. but i think the going to a nicer home than you live in is always a nice option too yeah it, it's to me it's the better choice for, well, for yeah. more we, people where there's there's opportunity i mean there's opportunities all over the place with it our kids travel quite a bit for sports a lot. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, at the beginning, we were booking these hotels for uh, $200, $250 a night or whatever the case was. And then um, recently started looking into Airbnbs with one other family. And, I mean, it's, 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 it's brought the cost down to a third of what we would have normally paid for a much more relaxing atmosphere where, you know, because, I mean, you're there... Uh, for several days, and it's just much more comfortable. You feel like you're at home, and if you're playing sports and you're traveling to play in a game, I mean, that's a part of it. You want to feel comfortable, and uh, so that's amazing. I mean, the, the also the regulations. That's interesting. So, I mean, mainly you want to call. How do you go about doing that? I bought a house not too long ago, and that's why I th- initiated this conversation, Pete and I, um, where I was called you to inquire about some. Uh, some tips on, on doing an Airbnb. Now, actually, our old our office, 2020 Marconi on the Hill, used to be an Airbnb that we would use. So we have some experience in it, and it was a very, it was very 
easy. I mean, most of the time it looked like nobody stayed there. We did it for a year. Now we've converted that into our main headquarters for Pinnacle. But, um, but now we have a place in Wildwood. And before we bought that, um, it's exactly what you were talking about. It's a spot that, um, you know, you could sleep 16 in it. It's, it has 16 acres. It's, um, you know, has a pool, has a good setting for a family to, to unwind. And, um, and I just think, like, oh, the first thing we did was call Wildwood but, and make sure that that was going to be an option. But then you always, in the back of my mind, you're always wondering, is this going to change? Are the regulations, are we grandfathered in? What's your experience been with that? Or have you considered that when you were buying your places? Yeah, I think that uh, you calling the city is the, the best bet. There's data online for it, but if you actually call the city, uh, they, they'll let you know. Um, as far as things changing, so I, just in the city, I had two Airbnbs just in St. Louis, and I shut those down. Um, actually, the one of them I live in now. Uh, but you can see there's, depending on where you're at, there is some pushback. So that's why we try to stay in vacation, just vacation-specific towns. So hmm. the Poconos, Pennsylvania, where all the New Yorkers come. Hmm. Miami, um, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, Sedona. These are just places that I've personally purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where their incomes, that's the, their revenue for the city is coming from those. They're not going to shut those down. Uh, they, they will increase the permitting, and you will have to probably file something once a year to get approved. Um, but I, I don't know. It is a risk um, in cities specifically. You can see they've shut them down in New York. Um, St. Louis is getting some pressure. Downtown for sure. Downtown for sure. And um, and just to, just to kind of feed back off of that, to be, to be honest with you, unless it's like a, a passion project, um, I would not be working in cities, and I also would not be running an Airbnb that generates less than $100,000 a year. Yeah, in your experience, that's a, that's a great point. What would be, so somebody has a house, okay, and let's say, because I, I just had my 25-year high school reunion, and I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Cottleville, and his kids are gone, they're older, you know what I mean, they're gone, they're, yeah. and he travels a lot for work, so he was telling me he's, he lives in a neighborhood in Cottleville. And he's like, so I just started putting it on Airbnb. I rented out for half the year and I'm doing really well with it. And just cause he's traveling around for work. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's very, he keeps it on, on the down low and makes sure that, um, you know, has strict rules basically. And uh, I know that's also the case with some of the soccer trips we went on. Very strict rules on how many people could even be there. Right. Um, and and they have neighbors that will notify them if there's more people than that in that area. So, um, yeah, I think it's those are those are all considerations. Who are the neighbors? Are they? Is there going to be pushback? Um, that guy, if they shut him down, it's no big deal. Right. It's his house. He lives there. Exactly. So, but, but somebody who's purchasing specifically, if you're thinking about, all right, I have this house. Yeah, I, I went on a sidetrack for a second, but if I have this house and I'm considering, um, I'm considering doing a long-term one-year tenant or an Airbnb, what are some considerations that I, sh- I mean, and, and also it, depending on what I pick, what are some of the upsides financially? Like, what are the differences? I'm either going to make $1,500 a, a month, not make, but gross revenue, $1,500 a month, right. or 
what would the alternative be, would you say, for an Airbnb, you know, just generally speaking? So the, just I'll, I'll give you my personal experience. Um, so the, the properties in the Shaw, they're currently renting for 1850 a month. So when I shut my Airbnbs down, they're 1850 a month. I was doing, in, in a, my best year was 60K and 45K. So that's for the duplex. Um, they dropped down to about 40 and 30. So when you factor in your costs, cleaning, this is something a lot of people get upset about in Airbnbs. The cleaning, we, we don't make money off cleaning. It's what it costs to clean the property. Some people do, uh, we don't. Um, what is that cost? Is this for your Pigeon Forge? No. So for Pigeon Forge, it's you got. I've got a pool cleaner and I've got a cleaner cleaner. Um, so that's it's, it's costing me about two fifty per turn. A gotcha. turn is just someone checking out, someone checking in. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make any money off that. We just charge that back to the guest, and that's there's a that's where people could say, well, hotels don't charge me that, and they've got a full staff. We don't have a full staff. You know, these guys are doing fifty units all across the state. So, um, I guess to get back to your point. In cities, and this is where the the hundred k number comes in, it's not worth the headache or the twenty percent that you will get that you actually net over renting long term. In my opinion, um, if you're starting out and you uh, you're a homeowner like your friend in Cottleville, I think it's a great opportunity to get your feet wet, get in there, make a little extra money, and it's also it's such a benefit for someone who travels that way. They can say, Hey, I'm only opening this for one week and you couldn't, you can't long-term rent it. Right. So, um, it just depends on like your, your pain threshold, I guess, cause you can make more money, uh, under 50 K 75 K. But uh, we found hundred K with cleaning fees, with paying the electric, the utilities, um, all the damages that come, the city is you're going to have a lot more damage. <laughs> so you're going to be dealing with a lot of damage. So your margins are so tight. If someone, I've had this happen. If someone goes in and burns holes in your sheets and your comforters and you're actually doing nice stuff, which you got, you've got to be elite, you got to be on the higher end of everything, um, your margins are going really quickly. So that that's really the, the main reason why we try to stay above that number. But I think as far as short-term, long-term, I think especially if you're someone who travels and you want to give it a shot, I think it's worth it just to build up your, you know, Airbnb ranks you, they give you super host status. And I don't think people realize how difficult it can be. Um, if it's not like a typical rating system. They do one star through five, right? If you get a four, it's a zero. That's how mm-hmm. that's how we look at it. So mm-hmm. you need five stars. People don't realize that when they go in. They're like, this was a great stay. The worst review you can possibly get is everything was great, four stars, right? right. And you're like... It just, they don't, people don't realize it kills you. It's not like you saying this restaurant was 4.5 stars. It was great. <laughs> it's either five or you might as well put zero or just don't leave a review. <laughs> yeah. It raises eyebrows when it's not a five. <laughs> it right? does. Yeah. You touched on uh, the damage. Now it, that's, that's the number one thing on people's heads. Like what type of wear and tear and damage can they expect? Honestly, when we did the, we call it the Hill House, but the place on Marconi, now, this is a different ballgame, okay? This is a 860-square-foot place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not much to it. Right. Like 95% of the time, it looked like nobody was even there. And um, But we didn't have families of 16 coming in. You know what I mean? It's a big difference, I would say. You know, I, I don't think so. I think with when I have 14 people staying in Pigeon Forge, I have not had hardly any issues. Maybe a bed getting broken, um, something like that, but... It's, it's strange how, and it may be, it could be demographic. Um, 
but the city properties were the hardest I had ever run. And then the Poconos, Pennsylvania, also smaller properties, were equally as difficult. Um, now, I would actually say bigger. So I, this, take this how you may, but the more expensive the property, and I'll give you some backstory on like who you would select for guests and things of that sort to help mm -hmm. you through this, but uh, the more expensive the property, the better guests. Don't know how that relates, but it, it's, it's a fact of life. And I'll, I'll tell you, a, a lot of people will reach out to you on Airbnb and say, hey, do you offer military discount? Do you offer a nursing discount? Can you offer a discount for whatever it may be? Answer is always no. Discount guests equals problems, always. Um, a lot of times what you see, and it's unfortunate, is people can't afford. That's typically what it means. They're kind of getting out of their price range, and they go in just looking for issues rather than enjoying it. So it's something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very, uh, very informative and very important consideration that you don't really think of unless you experience it. Yeah. So we, we really love having you on here to uh, talk about some of your experiences that you've had. Um, let, me, uh, let me hop in for a second and yeah. talk about, um, uh, this is an outside perspective, but obviously generation of income is one thing you touched on. Um, but simultaneously, you're investing in real estate. Um, and so tell me how you view that as an um, Airbnb business owner. Um, how do you distinguish those two? Is one, is one um, more important to you than the other when, when starting out? Yeah, so I've thought about this a lot. If I could restart everything, I would start a business first and then do real estate, not use real estate as my business. Um, I would generate revenue first and I got into Airbnb because it was the highest revenue and I wanted more money to invest in other things. Um, but if I had started a business first and Airbnb is a business, but, um, I have it so automated. There are systems out there, price labs, for instance, that adjust your price based on seasonality. So we're not messing with that. So if you ever see someone that's like 250 every night, they're old school, and they're going to get. They're, they're just going to lose. They're never mm -hmm. going to be competitive. Um, I hired a virtual assistant. Um, so I, there's a guy out of the Philippines I hired. There's a great guy. I think he actually is from St. Louis called Support Shepherd. Um, he works with another huge guy on Twitter um, that's doing some pretty big things. But my day-to-day, -day, initially, it was a full-on grind. You were on call 24-7, if you can imagine. Um, I don't really mess with Airbnb anymore. So, so uh, what, are they, what type of things are they doing? Your assistant. Yeah. So they are adjusting schedule, adjusting our ranges for price labs. They're communicating with the guests, communicating with the cleaners, the maintenance guys. They're doing anything and everything you need to run that business. Um, and these guys, some people may hate this, but $7 an hour for a guy in the Philippines is a ton of money. Hmm. Um, I, mine specifically, we pay him well, but his soon-to-be fiance. Her starting job for the government down there was going to be $2.15. So this is life-changing money for these guys. Wow. And they're just as intelligent, many with degrees, as we are. They're just born in a different place. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little and just make sure I understand what you're saying. So when, when you're buying, like I think you said, you know, new construction was your first $620,000 purchase. Um, 
when you were making that purchase, if you can think back to that time and, and then compare it to today when you make those purchases, yeah. are you thinking about, because I think you said all those are worth 1.2 now or whatever when you make those. Are you thinking about that future value or the five years of revenue or what, what, what's important to you if you can prioritize it? Um, or is it the same? The income's most important. Yep. Um, for me, I thought that's what you were saying, but I just wanted to make sure. Okay. Yeah. So the income is absolutely the most important and I can put these in priority. We're lucky. I had a GC that built my first cabin that got in financial trouble and he, most people treated him pretty poorly and he was a new guy in the world and he was making a lot of mistakes. I was always kind to the guy. He got in financial trouble and he came to me and said, I've got five lots right beside you. Do you want to buy them? So I said, yes, took over the GC role and started. Where's this at? Pigeon Ford. Okay. Yep. So I am prioritizing income first. Um, second, if you know how hard this is guys to get something that is, you're going to bring in some type of revenue and get equity. Mm -hmm. Very difficult. Um, Airbnb makes it easier, but it's a tougher market. It's actually cooled off some though. So there's a lot of good 12, 20% cash on cash deals out there still. And then the third thing for me is the cost segregation studies. Those are huge for me. So the expedited depreciation as we'll call it. So over the, you know, it's, it's dropped to 80%. I think this year it used to be a hundred percent that you could year one, um, take your 27 and a half years that you would have for depreciation and roll it all in one year. So it could, you know, if you have a high, if you're a high net worth or high revenue individual, real estate is a uh, great opportunity to reduce that income that is shown on your taxes. So that is number three for me. I did that my first year and it saved me a ton of money. You did, you rolled all of that into one year, you're saying? Yeah, I did all my I did a cost segregation study basically just takes all your assets um, and it says, hey, this this home would depreciate over 27 and a half years at this rate. We're going to include furniture, land, all, all whatever is included in that study. I, I'm not a mm-hmm. professional on that. Um, and you could basically get, you know, say a 30 percent depreciation year one on the total value of the property. Um, now, the downside of that is you need to be everything I do. I don't sell properties. I hold on to them forever. You would need you would need a 1031 exchange them into a larger property and or just expect to get bit down the road when you do sell it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You stole my next question. Well, <laughs> to, to summarize um, that, just so you're saying revenue, number one, investment, uh, future value, I'll say number two, and tax benefits, number three. Is that fair characterization absolutely and then so why don't since you since you brought it up uh why don't you tell us a little about how you look at 1031s if if you do yeah so i have not used a 1031 currently um so how i look at 1031s this is just more state of my career i guess um so i i have done a lot of off-market purchasing uh rehabs in like tupelo mississippi um things of that sort and I plan on storage facilities in Waynesboro, Mississippi, thing, th- things of that sort. Uh, I don't want to ever get rid of my properties that are in prime locations. I don't think I'll ever get rid of I, I say ever. Ever means five years for me. i got a five-year plan on most of the stuff. Um, the smaller properties, I think it is a, a 1031 is a dream for building wealth. 
if you have properties that you just know. So for I'll give you an example. I bought a house in Tupelo, Mississippi for 70K, put 25 in it, it appraised for 180. That property will be a 1031 in the future. It's on the market now. And that will build, you know, that will be a down payment on a much larger property. And I'll continue that growth forever. But when you buy places in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, like I have, you're never getting rid of those. They're not, it's in one of the best locations you can be. Um, and I don't see myself ever finding something that would make me say, I really need to get rid of this. So. Mm-hmm. That's, no, that's a great, great answer. No, I, I hear you. You get a place like that, you just, you know, you want to you just, you want to have, you know what's going to appreciate for a large amount. Think about 15 years from now. Yeah. What that, you know, so um, that is. Uh, By the way, we're, we're not talking to a guy who's 58 years old either. Uh, you're, what, you're 35, you said? 35. 35. Yeah. So no excuses for the rest of us out here. Yeah, no, 100%. And and so you've, you've shared some just amazing, specific details when it comes to what to consider when purchasing an Airbnb, investment property, things like that. And I, I would, I mean, I'd love to even dive into that further at some point. But I do want to touch on a little bit about, so you had, um, you don't just do Airbnbs. You're, you, you have a history in... Um, software engineer, uh, cybersecurity, and you also, but you are drawn to real estate, and uh, you you do a lot of your research, you were telling me, on Twitter or X. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because a lot of people don't, when they think about that social media platform, they don't, that's not the first thing that comes to their mind. You know, how do you, how do you utilize that in that capacity to make deals happen? Yeah, so X is um, the most valuable asset I've ever come across, including YouTube and Google. Um, Anything that you're doing, there's a guy out there or a girl out there that has been doing it for 50 years. There's there's podcasts, but these are guys that you can actually reach out. You know, you you might reach out to Elon Musk and actually get to chat with him. Um, But there are people put everything I have learned for the most part has been through Twitter. That's kind of what motivated me. There any anything that exists is out there with someone with 10, 15 years experience that are willing to help you. And they're legit. You you need to filter through. There are some people that are obviously you got to be cautious, but there are a group of people out there in every asset class and every business. And they're putting out, I'll tell you someone that Hoffman brothers, he puts out some of the greatest information I've ever seen in my life on HVAC business. You would, and he tells you exactly what their revenue is. He grew it from 10 million to 100 million. And he tells you every single step of the way what he pays his guys, how when they reach 80 million, what did they do for their team? How did they grow this? It's every, just imagine you'd be able to get insight on any business that has ever existed. And there's one here. There's one, like I watch this guy grow here and I've seen these trucks forever. And I'm like, this is Chris Hoffman. <laughs> like, and he's telling us everything. Like, it, it, and, and nobody does, everyone, you know, most people in this world are willing to give out information, I think, now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not getting the Cody Sanchez, like, hey, here's how you make 100K with ice makers. It's like, here's exactly how we did it and how we started. And here's the process. And if you want to ask questions, ask questions. Like, maybe they're doing an AMA and I'm, walk- I'm walking around for 15 minutes, guys, ask me some questions. <laughs> you get that, and there's nothing else in the world like it that I've ever seen or not even close. So that's why Twitter's so valuable to me. So you've been, but you, you've also been that guy who has taken the initiative to reach out to these people and ask them questions and start conversations and created uh, partnerships and deals from that. Absolutely. And you found those to be, um, you found those to be uh, reputable, strong, strong uh, resources. 
yeah, strong resources, strong relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Like one of the one of my good friends off Twitter, he's he's running a, I guess a conglomerate syndicate, where they have over 130 Airbnbs, um, and he's just a close friend. And and you know, I, I I'm still new. I've I've got three four years experience. This guy. <laughs> has got three, four years of experience every two months, you know, because <laughs> they're, they're buying and they have unlimited money and they have more tools than I'll, I'll ever be able to afford, at least <laughs> in the near term. And I can just bounce ideas and we just talk just, just like you and I are talking right now. And there's, there's groups for everything. Store, my first storage underwriting, uh, I, I found a guy on Twitter that was a storage guy that I knew was reputable and he gave me his underwriting tool and I underwrote the deal and bought it. It's, it's all there. So what do you mean in storage? Can you tell us about that? What did you, what did you find? And then you, you're saying, did you finance that? Or did you partner with somebody? Or did you just buy that outright? I did. Me and my brother um, partnered on that 50-50. Um, I guess technically my sister-in-law. She owns 51% of our company. <laughs> um, and we bought that. We found it off market, actually through Facebook. What type of storage facility was it? It's just a... It's got the 10 by 10s, 10 by okay. 20 basic, two facilities. So it's not like the boat storage facilities no, that we no, were talking no. about earlier. No, no, no. Okay. This um, is more just like your, 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 what you think of when you think of a storage facility. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Yep. So I found a guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. It's Hunter or something. Um, but he sent me his underwriting tool. I mean, these guys are willing to give you anything. He gave me his underwriting tool. I underwrote the deal. Sent it back to him. He's like, you're going to need to get it at X. They were asking 350 We got it at 245 He's like, it's a win. Go get it. And we got it. Just for just and and you have, you do you know, still have that? Still have that, yes. That's the and that is the storage is um, it's everywhere now, so it's hard to find locations that work. But it's the easiest thing I've ever managed ever. <laughs> so if you can get storage, how big is that facility? Uh, it's sixty nine units, um, so fairly small. Is it is it booked? It is. So here's here's. I mean, I know in COVID it was impossible to get something. Yeah, so here, here's, I'll just, I'll, I'll give a kind of a deep dive on why storage is so valuable. Storage is commercial, which I hope down the road Airbnb will be. It is not commercial. They're still appraising next to your neighbor. They're not doing off revenue. Hmm. When that happens, the values of these homes are going to go up tremendously. And it will show if you're a good operator, your home will be worth money than the guy who's not. So for the storage facility, we had a guy, small town guy that was running these units and he had them dirt cheap. We bought them. We found the market. I, I basically, when I f- say I found, I did market research. I looked at everywhere around me, spent all the time in the world figuring out how much everyone else is charging within 30 miles. And we realized he was undercharging by 50%. So we raised rents 50%. Was his place for sale or did you reach out to him? It was for, it was off market for sale. Okay. So this guy unfortunately had cancer and he was just ready to get out of it. Um, so these, we bought these, we found out we were, we were 50% under market. So we bought them for 225 raised re- within three months. Uh, I think at the end of the new year, we, we sent out a mass email and said, hey, guys, we're raising 50%, you know, for whatever reasons, soft costs, whatever it may be. Um, and we assumed that 50% of people would leave. Um, about 30% of people did leave. But now that that's the market rate when people research, they're coming there because they're not going 30 miles for the same cost. So it's taken time, and, and storage slows down in the winters. Um, it, it's seasonal. So in the summers when, you know, when people are, say, going to school or they realize, oh, hey, Christmas is like we just had three people just rebook because it's like they probably had Christmas stuff they needed to get rid of, right? <laughs> um, but we, in essence, we, when this place gets fully booked, 
it will be a 50% uh, equity increase just because we brought it to market rate. Brilliant. Yeah. Where's that at, that place? Waynesboro, Mississippi. I lived in Mississippi and did not know where this place was. <laughs> so good luck. Do you have, uh, <laughs> how many people do you have running the place? One person runs it, and it's uh, my sister-in-law actually runs it. So she's my sister-in-law is going to be hired in to do all of the day-to-day for all of my projects. Uh, but she's she works at a bank now, and she she's just like the exact opposite of me with people when it comes to complaining about things that I think are not worth complaining about. <laughs> so uh, bringing her in, and she has been great, and she probably gets a call like once, I don't know, every three months. Maybe. So you don't have to have you don't have, you don't have somebody on site. No. I never will, I don't think, for anything, if I can help it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's the world we live in now. Yeah. You know, you've been really um, forthright with us, you know, sharing a lot of information, very valuable information. And um, since, you know, there's always some something behind a person driven like this and well-spoken um, attention to detail, looking, doing the research. Can you, can you reflect back and and identify what, uh, you know, what what has motivated you, inspired you um, to sort of go back, to take action as we kind of began with? Yeah, I I can't I, I won't be able to narrow it down perfectly, but my childhood was uh, chaos. Uh, me and my sister, we've had we've had nine step parents. Um, we have, we went to, we were in 13 different schools or more before fifth grade and not for military. It was just pure chaos. Um, and I watch, and I think this is not just us it's the consumerism. Uh, I watch people spend more than they make and not be able to make that small sacrifice to delay gratification. Um, so for me, it was, I built my life around what I experienced. I would do the opposite to make my life better. Um, so for me, the fire was just breaking a cycle um, that I experienced my whole life across the board. And that's relationships, finances, everything. And so in a way, I was fortunate enough to like, as a kid, realize, you know, a lot of people take things from their family and their experiences and say, I want to be that. And I could take things, there were some things like that, but I could say, I'm not going to be those things, right? So for me, I guess there's a fire inside from that and honestly I mean this is like me going to therapy finding out that I'm not just a a complaining kid that doesn't like working for other people I'm just an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and that's it and uh, I like my time and I like to do things where the effort I put in I get the value back such as the storage facilities so yeah well that that's that's an incredible story and it's one that Everybody talks about daily, like we all, if if people um, have hardships at different capacities throughout life all the time. And and when you're talking to your kids or your team that you're coaching or your employees or your spouse or family members, and you're you're talking about, um, it it could be anything, a defeat, an illness, uh, an injury, um, bankruptcy, business that goes under somebody is always there to say well you're going to learn this out of it you're going to have this takeaway from it and uh, some people go down the path of 
continuing to feel sorry for themselves and complain. And then there's the group of people that learn from that and truly take that experience and, and move forward with something positive, which is, which is what you've done. And you've provided um, just incredible inspiration to, I would think, anybody you talk to. I mean, it's, it's been just a, an amazing experience. I'm inspired tremendously just by you coming here and talking to Pete and I. Um, I think that there is um, an abundance of opportunity, perfect timing to have this discussion on January 3rd yeah. when it's, uh, it's top of everybody's mind on what they could do. But um, do you, are there certain people that you've also looked at to for like inspiration, uh, like a favorite book or a mentor that you follow? Any other podcast that you, um, I mean, I know that you're, you haven't missed an episode of this one, but besides this one, <laughs> any other that you go to for, um, for motivation or are you just kind of like confined in your space? So as a, when, when I was seven years ago, a guy introduced me to Tim Ferriss, four hour work week and Tim Ferriss's mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, um, so he, he's exactly what Twitter is in a way. He brings the best of the best and everything. You can listen to these people and where they came from. And, you know, I'm a blue collar guy. That was raised on a farm, um, and you cannot. If you bring a blue collar guy into a white collar world, you can't be beaten, and I can prove that. Oh, I love that. Um, so, I guess for me, Tim Ferriss was just huge in the way of like, hey, you don't have to think, you don't have to think the way everyone else thinks, and 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 if you're miserable at work and you have this high paying job and everyone's so happy to be there and you're not, it's okay. Like, you're just you're built different. You're one of the two percent or whatever it may be. Um, so that, and then honestly, Twitter. I read books all the time, and books are great. You know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad to get you started, The Richest Man in Babylon, uh, Money Mindset. There's a million books that I could say, but none of those, like, push me across the line to say do it. It was just you got you to gotta do it, and you got to whatever, like, limiting belief you have. You need to get past that and just go for it. Because especially, I'll just tell you, in real estate, 100%, if you get into it and you're willing to hold that thing for a long enough period of time, you're probably going to end up being wealthy at some point in your life. Um, so take that. And then the whole, you know, I think nine out of 10 businesses fail. I don't believe that either. I think nine out of 10 businesses fail for people who were not meant for business or didn't put in the effort. So you just need to go out there and know you're going to have to work hard and figure it out. It's, um, we talk about a lot of subjects on this podcast, but it's rare that we talk about, um, business, real estate, tax, social media, accounting and philosophy all within 35 minutes so appreciate uh, appreciate that wide berth you gave us today <laughs> sorry if i got you guys off track no, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing and uh, i think we i think we got a tremendous value out of today and um certainly it'll it'll inspire me and i hope it inspires you know everyone who's listening yeah thanks so much for coming on if people want to uh follow you how do they what's the best way to find you on x I would say uh, just Dustin Morgan zero two. Uh, you can follow me there, and I, I try to put out what information I can, and I'm going to do better this year. So awesome! Well, Dustin, it's it's truly been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, meeting with us. Thank you so much also for for trusting Pinnacle with your with your home loan when you worked with us on that. So yeah. um, we look forward to uh, future conversations for sure. Yeah, it's best a of luck to you in 2024 and beyond. Yep, and guys use Pinnacle. They are legitimately the best. best. I mean, if Dustin says it, forget about it. (laughs) All right, thanks, guys. Signing off. Thanks, everybody.